We've talked about the different kinds of things that can steal our identity. The one we're talking about today is a thing called materialism, something we're all familiar with. Um, You have heard me say, you've heard Clay say possibly in the last few weeks, that our true identity is rooted in a relationship with Christ, uh, with the God who created us, And, and it is. It's rooted in who He made us to be. Um, it's rooted in what He's done for us, and it's rooted in, in how we respond to Him. And we may be just doing really well in our faith and, and, and our following what, who Christ is and what He wants out of our lives, doing really well, and something starts creeping in. We've talked about some of those somethings, but the one we're talking about today is this whole thing of, of materialism. And here's the thing, materialism steals our identity because it causes our attention, our focus, our passions to become misdirected in what could become an almost obsessive pursuit of stuff. I'll use the word stuff. It could be a lot of things. It could be um, cars, boats, houses, you know, I mean, hobbies, golf clubs, um, the kind you hit, well, maybe the kind you belong to, too. Um, it could be, and here's the, here's the weird thing about this thing. It, it could even be things that are pretty good. Back in the day, I used to love my books. And uh, as soon as I got out of school and I, I, after I became a pastor of the first church I, be, I, I became a pastor of, um, I just was really working on building my theological library. And it was really important to me. And I love my books. I just I kind of had this love, love affair with my books. Um, I don't have that anymore because now I have all my books right here, okay? Right here in my... Not all of them, but I'm working on it. And it's great because for those of us who forget, I'm always thinking, now, I'm, you know, if you're reading three or four books at once, and I do, um, you know, where do I leave that book? I leave that book at the office. I leave that book downstairs. I leave it upstairs in the bedroom. I leave, you know, and I leave it at, you know, at the opera house. Uh, when I place, I'm all over the place. I got them all right here, baby. I got them all. Speaking of materialism, okay? Anyway, but back, back, back in this day, I loved my books, and, and this is a good thing, right? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a minister. I'm a young minister at that point, and uh, you know, I, need, I need more knowledge and stuff. Well, here's what happened. Somebody at our church died, and, uh, and his widow came to me and said, well, Steve, and I remember this like it was yesterday. It's over 30 years ago, um, 30, I don't know, almost 35 years ago, and uh, she said, Steve died, and, and, you know, he was quite a Bible scholar. Uh, he didn't teach. He wasn't a minister, but he had, was quite a Bible scholar and had just, I didn't know this at the time, and she was telling me about it. He had this huge collection of, of theological books, and she says, would you like to come over to the house um, sometime and just take whatever you want? Well, I was there in about an hour, and, um, and I, I promise you, I, I don't know, I promise you, this is the this is true. I, I got so many books, put them all in my trunk. I just had a car, you know, four-door sedan. Put them all in the, in the trunk, and it was just dragging. All, it was just dragging bottom. I mean, I couldn't go anywhere <laughs> because it, I had so many books in my trunk. And I felt kind of bad because, you know, of course, you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's because, Rich, you just have a hunger and thirst after righteousness. You just wanted it, want it all. Well, I, I'll let you believe that, but the truth is, I think there probably was a little bit of, of, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, whether I ever read it or not. So you see, this, 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 this love affair with stuff 
The stuff might be good stuff. But at some point you have to say, this is, this is, this is not good. I'm, I'm, you know, my whole identity is coming from not only how many books I have, but what books do I have. So it could be a lot of different things. That's a silly illustration for me, but, but it's real. Um, so it, it, materialism steals our, our, our whole identity because it's this obsessive, um, um, obsessive pursuit of stuff. We become defined by our stuff, what we have, what we drive, you know, what we own, um, the house we live in or the houses that we have. And then it becomes intoxicating. I mean, that's really the word. It becomes intoxicating, and, and instead of an identity that is grounded in a relationship with our Lord and our God and our Creator, which causes us to flourish... Instead of that, we have this, this stolen identity encouraging us to feed this other appetite. Whether it be books or, or maybe it may not be something, maybe it's something that's not really good. Maybe it's other stuff that's not necessarily healthy for us. Um, and I've known over the years people who, who have had their, who've had a lot of stuff and they've had that, that, that identity of, of, of who they are in Christ stolen by their 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 desire for more stuff. I've also had the good fortune of knowing some people who've had a lot who um, didn't let that happen and could say and mean, it doesn't matter. God's blessed me with this right now, and it's great, and I'll enjoy it, and I'll use it, and, and give stuff away, and give what I have away, but it doesn't matter. It's not who I am. They're rare, but that's the attitude we need. Let's talk about that. In the book of Timothy, New Testament book of Timothy, 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, this is weird for me, the Apostle Paul, who is this old, older pastor, 60-something, is talking to this younger pastor, 30-ish. What's really weird for me is I've been on both sides of this thing now, and it's kind of, kind of weird. Um, I used to read this thing as a 30-year-old pastor thinking, boy, let me get, this is great. I need to hear this. Now I find myself saying this to some guys. But anyway, so much for my personal problems. First um, Timothy chapter 6, he's talking to this young pastor, and he gives him some really good advice from the Bible. He says, true religion with contentment is great wealth. After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world. We certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long, watch this very carefully, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, read that again. For the love of money, read it again one more time. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I want to talk about those verses just for a moment. I want to show you three real simple little principles that take just a moment and then talk about it just for a second uh, to, to give to you. The first one is this, and it's, it's, the first one's a real obvious point. I think you know this. I probably don't even need to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. You can't take it with you, okay? You know that, right? You don't see the U-Haul trailer behind the hearse, right? I mean, it's a, you just can't take it with you. Um, it would, be, it would be a funny thing to see, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of fun, and, and, and who knows, maybe I'll do that just for kicks. But um, 
uh, we didn't, in verse 7, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world, and we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. Simple concept. Robert E. Lee said this. Got to quote Robert E. Lee. Get correct views of life and learn to see the world in its true light. It will enable you to live pleasantly, to do good, and when summoned away, to leave without regret. General Lee knew that. By the way, I'm going to talk tonight about that uh, in, our, in our, Clay told you about our Vespers. We have that at 6 o'clock once a month, communion and so forth. And I'm doing a series called uh, Walking with the Giants, where I, we're talking about the giants of the faith. And I'm talking about different people from different walks of life throughout history who have had great impact on their, influ- on their, on their culture, uh, great influence for the cause of Christ. And tonight I'm talking about Robert E. Lee. And if you're one of those people who don't know a whole lot about Robert E. Lee, I would love to be you and come tonight because it will really be good. (laughs) Anyway, that's 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 I mean, what can I say? I love talking about the guy. Um, Get correct views of life and learn to see the world in its true light. I mean, that's just a really good thought to stop and think about. So when we start talking about we can't take it with us, we got to remember that. It's all temporal. You know, and I've talked to guys over the years, some guys who have, not many, but some who have the right view of all their stuff. And it's like, you know what? It's great, but someday it's all going to burn. I'll use it, but it doesn't matter. It's the right attitude. Some people say it, they don't really believe it. That's the first principle. You can't take it with you. Second thing is, the desire to get rich can lead, down to, some very, can lead to some very bad places and some very damaging choices. I think we know this principle. I think we've seen this enough in the news over the last several years, particularly. Um, Particularly when you read what he says there, people who long to be rich, this is back to Timothy, uh, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. It's not being rich. It's not seeking to be successful. It's not seeking to bring value, which is what we should be doing. It's that desire to be rich. And whenever you see these things that say, yeah, you want to be rich, you need to run, and you need to run hard, because that's the wrong motivation. And it's funny, and I've, I've said this many times, the people in life that I know that have, that have really been successful materially and, and, and wealth, so many times didn't seek out to be wealthy. They sought out to bring value. They, 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 they sought out to, to help or, or to, bring a, you know, to, to plug a need in a particular area, um, whether it be, as I've told the story before of, the, of my friend who just started a manufacturing company making nuts and bolts, you know, became a multimillionaire making nuts and bolts because there's a need for nuts and bolts all over the world. Think about that, yeah. Or the person who, says, you know, who, who, who sought to, to bring the right kind of financial counsel that can help and, and, and help others. It's not, it's not the desire to get rich. And the Bible teaches us that over and over and over again. So, the desire to get rich can lead to some very bad places and some damaging choices. This is where we need... Let me just mention this real quick, all right? This is sort of a parallel track, not exactly a sidetrack. Um, this is why we need to learn to be content with whatever we have with wherever we are in life. We need, we, need, we need to learn the art. I call it an art because it is the art of contentment. Let me show you some. Philippians, again, the Apostle Paul talking. By the way, I'm going to read this to you and show you this in a minute, but this, is, this content thing, it doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. 
This is one of those things that, that, that spans every income bracket of every person. It spans the whole, the whole gamut. So it's not for rich people. It's not for poor. It's for all of us learning how to be content. Look what Paul says here, the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 4. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We often hear that, in particularly in Christian circles, we hear that verse quoted, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think it's especially important to talk about the context of it. It's given in the context of I can be content. Even when the world around me, the circumstances around me, tell me that I shouldn't be content, I can be content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When my identity is wrapped up in who He is and what He's done for me and not wrapped up in all my stuff that's around me. Interesting, Socrates, Socrates had a great thought. He's had many great thoughts, but... He said this, he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. Just think about that for a moment. (laughs) He who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. So how does that happen? How do we get to that point where we can really realize at some level a a contentedness with what our life is? doesn't mean we don't try to do better. doesn't mean we don't strive for for more and and try to be more more successful in the sense of trying to help and trying to be at the top of my field just to use the the gifts that God has given me. doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do any of that stuff. But but how, how do I learn to be content with where I am and what I have? And I'll tell you what, I don't know of any other way than just getting alone, talking to God sometimes. Maybe early in the morning, maybe late at night, maybe over your lunch hour, maybe when you're taking a walk, uh, whatever, whatever works best for your schedule and personality, just to get alone. And I've done this so many times, I just get alone, I say, okay, God, you know, I, I'm not content. I'm not happy with this. Help me understand why. And that's, you want to call that prayer? You want to call that conversations with God, I don't care. I just think you should do it. And then I have to, I have to continue to go back to Scriptures. And it's weird. I mean, I'm not bragging. I know the Bible pretty well, okay? I mean, I've been teaching it for a long time. And um, I go back to verses like this, Philippians 4, like the other verses that I'm reading, T- Timothy. And although I've read them probably thousands of times, I go back, and it's amazing when you go back and read, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that's in there. That's why it's important to do that. Sometimes I'll read it in a different translation. You know, great thing about my iPad, I got several, again, I got people, I swear on the Bible, now I'll put my hand on my iPad, you know. Um, I got about 10 Bibles in here. And uh, I'm sorry, I just messing, just messing with you. Um, but... Um, but it's true. I mean, it's just in terms of in terms of having the availability. It's never been. It's never been just for a few minutes. Sometimes you're on the train. You're you're you're, you're somewhere. Else, you're just you know, taking a walk and just pull out my your your, your PDA or whatever. You got. Just just think and just dwell on some some scripture verses. It's amazing how that helps. Just to be reminded of the truth. Maybe you already know it. Maybe you don't know it. But it's amazing how that works. So so learn that art of contentment. It only comes. I can tell you, it only comes through an understanding of of who Christ is 
in your life, God is in your life, an understanding of the truth that he has for us. It's just telling ourselves the truth. It's good to have some people around us too sometimes that can remind us of some of these truths that are so important. So that's the other thing. That's the second thing. Okay, learn, the, learn this thing. That, you know, you can't take it with you, number one. Desire to get rich can lead you down some pretty destructive paths. Third thing, discern the difference. This is tough. Discern the difference between having money and loving money. Remember that, what he says back up in, in uh, what I read to you in Timothy? The love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. So what we need to do is discern the difference between the love of money and just having money. Because what happens so many times is people say, well, you know, it's wrong to have money. Of course, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. You know, and, and here's some of the differences. And, and you know what, only you can do this. But, but, you know, does it occupy your mind? Do you scheme how to do more, scheme how to get more? Hey, can I make, uh, can I make 30% of my investments next year instead of 25%? You know, I don't know a whole lot about money, but I know this. If you're making 25% on your money on a regular basis, we might need to have a talk uh, and maybe a little prayer with each other, okay? I don't want to visit you in some other places that you might end up. Um, no, but I mean, what, whatever it is, you know, maybe it's uh, just that extra 1%. Right? And that, now again, doesn't mean you shouldn't be a good steward. Doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard with whatever God has blessed you with to, to maximize that so you can use it to give it away more. You, you should do that. But there's a line here somewhere. And I can't always tell you where that line is, but I think you know. If you stop and think, pray, ask God to help you determine what that is. Sometimes you use it to fill the gaps. You use that stuff or the money to buy stuff to fill the gap that can only be filled by by a relationship with Christ. C.S. Lewis said this, one of the dangers of having a lot of money is that when you that you may be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness money can give and so fail to realize that your need for God. If everything seems to come simply by signing checks, you may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent upon God. It's easy to forget that. The point here is if we're going to discern the difference between loving money and just having money, we need to make sure we understand where it comes from. That is, it's a blessing Total blessing from God. So, I mean, just three things very quickly that we, that we, th- that we think through as we, as, we, uh, as we go through this. Now, I'm going to show you something else. But, I mean, you can't take it with you. Um, desire to get rich can lead to some pretty bad places. And uh, there's a difference between having money and loving money, and you need to see where you are in that. Now, I want to show you a test. Just give you a little test from the Bible. How can, you, how can I test myself to see if I've gone over the top, over the edge? I'm, and and maybe, I, maybe I don't have a lot of money, but I think about it all the time. Uh, maybe I don't have a lot of stuff, but I, I think about how to get more. Maybe I have a lot of stuff and it means a lot to me, whether it be my house or my cars or my third house or whatever it happens to be. There is this great little passage in uh, Matthew 19 where Jesus is talking. And, uh, well, some, Matthew's talking and then Jesus talks. Um, I'm going to show it to you. Matthew 19, verse 16, someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one, capital O, who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. 
And Jesus replied. Now, keep in mind, Jesus knows this guy's heart. He knows where he's coming from. He has a distinct advantage over you and me when he's talking to somebody. He's God, and we're not. And he, can read, he, know, he knows what's in their heart. Keep that in mind. And he says this. He says, you must, uh, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all those commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Again, Jesus knows where he's coming from. What he says, Jesus told him, if you want to be mature, if you want to be complete, if you want to be perfect, as it is here, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. Jesus, listen, selling all your possessions and giving it to the poor doesn't mean you go to heaven. In this particular case, Jesus is saying, I know what you value. I know what's got your heart and your mind wrapped up, around, just wrapped up. I know what that is. And you know what? You, if you're not willing to give that up to follow me, then you're in, you're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. So, and, and that's what he says here. Then come, uh, sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Verse 22, but then the young man heard this, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I can't tell you how powerful that is. He went away sad. I can't do it. I can't do it. My stuff means too much to me. And he went away. How are you doing with that? How important is your stuff? Do you own your stuff, your possessions, or do they own you? That's the real issue here. You know, uh, 80, 80, I don't know, 8384, it's a haze. It's, um, Charlene and I moved to Vail, Colorado to start a church. Been a pastor for a while in Birmingham and been to Vail for a couple of different ski trips and said, gosh, this would be a great place for a church. God's calling me. And um, I'm not, not quite like that. But anyway, I make fun of it now. But uh, I really, we did really believe the Lord was, was uh, in that and leading us in that direction. And here we are, two, two pretty simple people, pretty young, um, 30-something, really young, gosh. Um, Raised, you know, upper middle class homes, middle to upper middle, uh, in the part of the country that nobody cares about. The flyovers, you know, the people, we don't, we don't care about them now. But I mean, you know, we were raised in the flyover states. I'm joking. Um, I get that impression sometimes around here. But anyway, um, and we hadn't seen all that much. You know, we'd been around a little bit of stuff here and there. So we moved to Vail, and, you know, we're looking at move there, getting, starting a Bible study, which is going to go into a church and stuff and eventually. And, 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 and it went well, but, but, but the first few times we were there and some friends, we had to meet some friends, and we started driving around, seeing Beaver Creek and Vail Mountain, some of the homes. And these homes, if you, you've been in places like this. I mean, some of the homes are just castles, basically. And then we learned, gosh, these are, these are second homes or third homes, in some cases fourth homes. And we're like, Really? Over the next 18 years, as I started, we started the church and stayed there for that long, I ended up being pretty good friends with a lot of those people. 
would end up coming, be congregants at Vail Bible Church. And um, my attitude began to change. I began to say, these are real people with real problems, with real issues. In some cases, more real problems than a lot of people. And my whole attitude began to change, and I, 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 was, a, and I was able to, be, by God's grace, speak into the lives of some of these folks, and, you know, whether it be on the golf course or whether it be up on a ski lift. Back in the day, we used to have ski lifts that were slow. That was before they did the high-speed things, you know, which were really great. But back in the day, I used to be able to get a... Heck, I could get two or three Bible studies in on some chairs. I mean, you know, you get chair two in Vail one time. I mean, that was like a 30-minute ride. You were like, by the time you get to the top, you know, I had them, you know, already in heaven. But anyway, um, I don't know, dozens and dozens of folks who, 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 who did very, 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 very well. I can count on probably two hands, maybe I need a third, the number of people who really had it together on this issue. There were a lot of people who I thought did, and then things would happen, and and, and for whatever reasons, though they lived in a different part of the country, oftentimes I was sort of their, their pastor, even though they had another pastor back home, wherever they were from. And I would deal with different issues and help them deal with it. And, and, and here's what I, I wrote down some of these things, because here was the common denominator of those people who had the proper handle on their stuff. And we're talking a lot of stuff here, okay? A lot. Here was the common denominator. It was a real simple one, you know, and, and, and I can talk about it a lot. The, the simple one is this. It was God's. It's not my stuff. It's God's stuff. Now, a lot of people say that. You know, a lot of people, you know, give that lip service, but there were just a few people who really lived that. And they really understood what that meant. And, and because when you, when you start thinking about that, what's the difference here? How does it really look? If, if, a, guy, if, a, if a, lay, a guy or lady has a true attitude of, it's really all God's, it's just entrusted to me for a while, I'm just a trustee of it, and the person who doesn't have that attitude, how does that, what's the differences there? particularly when they have the same type of house, the same type of vacation home or two or three. They belong to the same type of country club or two or three. They, they, they drive the same type of car, same, you know, eat same type places, same type vacations. All, the, all is equal, you know, for the most part. What's the difference between the one who's got the right handle on it and the one who, who, who may say they, they do, but they really don't, and those who, who really don't have the right handle? Their stuff is just way too important. They're like this rich this rich young guy here who just had to walk away sad. What's the difference? The difference is they have an understanding of it's not mine, it's God's. And when that happens, you say, okay, that's great, but what does that mean? And it, it, Two or three things. One, one would mean this. This is the stuff that I've written down over the, over, the, over the years, and that is this. One of the things is he's the same guy whether he has it or whether he doesn't. That's a big deal because particularly in the last 10 years, I've seen, some, I've seen some folks go from up here to down here to down here. Are they the same person? Well, if they are, that's a pretty good indication that it's just God's. I got it as long as, as long as he wants me to have it. One friend of mine lost 90%, 90% of his, of his um, not income, but his whole wealth, net worth. 90% of his net worth. Now, now, don't feel too sorry for him. Still has two homes. He's okay. But I mean, it, 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 but, and, and I love him dearly, and we, we talk to each other three or four times a year still. Um, but but he, the point is this. He said, you know what? It's all God's, and I may lose more. 
and, and, and he does. He's one of those, one of those few who's got, hey, it's, it's God's, and now whatever I have, I'm going to use, I'm going to have fun with, I'm going to give away, I'm going to help some stuff and help some people, and uh, when I can't, I won't. It's that simple. You know, and, and that's, that's the difference it has. You see, it's like you can really see that person as opposed to, oh, my gosh, I've lost it all. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, 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 you know, my life's a wreck. I don't have anything anymore. Still do, but, you know, in their relative terms, they don't, according to what they So that's one, one area. That, that, that's the same person, whether they have it or whether they don't. Let me ask you something. I, I don't care where you are in the spectrum. Maybe you got five houses, maybe you got two houses, maybe you got one you can't pay for right now, and you're upside down. I don't care where you are in the spectrum. Could you just walk away from it and still be the same person? Are you going to question God and, and question this? Oh, man, I thought God was blessing me. God's no longer blessing me. Because that's, a second, that's a second common denominator among these people. Not only, not only are they the same people, but they continue to give. They're, they're continually thankful people. My friend that I just told you about lost 90% of his net worth. He says, you know, and he's just, I mean, every time I talk to him, he just cracks me up. Oh, man, Rich, you know, God just continues to bless me. I know what's happening. I mean, it continues to get eaten away at. He said, God just continues to bless me. I'm like, God bless you, man. Amazing stuff. Same people still remain thankful no matter what because they understand that blessing comes in so many different ways. And we get so screwed up in this world that we live in that we think blessing has to come through material stuff. And when we start losing it, boy, we're really bad people. Well, maybe you are, but maybe you're not. Maybe it's just the economy. You know that. Maybe it's just, you know, a whole bunch of other Dials here, dial here, dial here, and boom. And it's not your, you work just as hard. Same attitude of thankfulness. And the third thing is they, 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 and this is sort of repetitive of the second thing, they remain aware that God is working. God is continuing to bless them and their lives. How are you doing with that? Where are you in that? Where are you in all that? If you, if you lose whatever you have, <laughs> or whatever you owe, whatever you, whatever you owe for. Are you still going to be the same person? You're still going to be grateful. You're still going to think God is blessing me, and this is great. You see, that's the key. It's not easy. There's only really only one way that's going to happen. That's basically to stay at the foot of the cross and ask Jesus to help you. Say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm a shout. You know, here, here's how you got to start with this thing. And I've been through this with enough people, including myself. Uh, to, to, I know it pretty well. It goes something like this. Lord, I'm just one shallow son of a gun. I'm just shallow. I like stuff. And I feel like you're blessing me when I have stuff. Help me to get beyond that. Help me to understand that you have, you have and you are blessing me in so many ways, whether I have it or whether I don't. And help my life not to be dependent upon the stuff that you give me. Help me to be grateful. Help me to use it. Help me to enjoy it. But help me not to depend on it. Most importantly, help me to own whatever I have and by God's grace not let it own me. Which when it happens... You're on a fast road down in many different ways. Think about that.
Pray about that. Ask God to give you the right attitude and as you trust him to give you, because it's only going to come through a relationship with God that that can happen. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for, for the truth that we so desperately need not only to hear and believe, but to practice in our lives. Thank you for that, for your love and for your grace, for the blessing that you provide in our lives in so many ways. And we thank you, and we thank you in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen.